Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Chat. Sports Chat. It's Sports Chat. Welcome to episode 346 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Oh, you mean the Butch Van Bradekoff episode. BV, what was his last name? Bradoff? Butch Van, Van Bradekoff. BVB. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Butch Van Bradekoff was a college basketball coach back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Okay. And he's most famous for being the coach that took Princeton to the Final Four. When Princeton had a basketball player by the name of Bill Bradley. You may know him as Senator Bill Bradley from the state of New Jersey for a long time. But Bill Bradley was a heck of a basketball player. Basically, single-handedly took Princeton to the Final Four and then had a great career with the New York Knicks. Butch Van Bredekoff was his coach. He coached at places like Lafayette, Princeton, New Orleans, and Hofstra when they were still the Flying Dutchman and not the Pride. He's Butch Van Bredekoff. And he won 346 games. I'm sorry. That name, Bill Bradley, reminds me of the uh, SNL skit with Will Ferrell. Ah, Bill Bradley! I know Bill Bradley. Isn't that that guy's name? It wasn't his name, but I know who you speak of. He drives a Dodge Stratus or something. I don't know. That's floating around in my head. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! All right, let's get to it. A long weekend of sports. Where would you like to start? Well, I should hand you the rundown beforehand so you would know, but let's start with some NFL preseason football because yesterday the Indianapolis Colts made their preseason debut. Of course, they didn't have Carson Wentz out there quarterback he's still recovering from foot surgery but they did have Jacob Eason and they did have Sam Ellinger and they both looked pretty decent both threw for over 150 yards Colts beat Carolina 21 to 18 Ellinger 
The rookie out of Texas led the Colts on a nice drive in the fourth quarter to give them the lead and the win over the Panthers. So if you're a Colts fan, I I guess you feel pretty good about that. Both those quarterbacks, my goodness, they had time to throw. The Colts' offensive line is either really, really good or Carolina has no pass rush whatsoever. One of those is true. But if the Colts' offensive line is really, really good and Wentz comes back, could be a decent year in Indianapolis. Now, the quarterback who impressed me the most over the weekend, and I don't know if you saw any of the game on Saturday, Corey, with the Bears, but Justin Fields has Chicago talking, has Chicago Bears fans hoping, and they're hoping that Matt Nagy will come to his senses and say, yes, this is our quarterback for week one. I follow the Bears on Instagram, so I saw highlights throughout the day. I, too, was like, all right, okay, here we possibly go. <laughs> now, it's a preseason game. Right. So let's temper and it was the, the enthusiasm. Dolphins. But that said, you saw traits from Justin Fields that make you say, hmm, could be good, could be better than Andy Dalton. One of my colleagues in Chicago said he will be the greatest quarterback in Chicago Bears history. That's not a lengthy list. This has been the problem with the Bears franchise since the days of, oh, I don't know, Sid Luckman, that they haven't really had great quarterbacks. Justin Fields, I think, could be a great quarterback. It was interesting listening to him after the game. Because one of the things that we as reporters always ask rookies, how is the speed of the game? Because we're told, oh, the NFL game moves much faster. And Justin Fields said, honestly, it was a lot slower than I thought it would be. So whether he is seeing things before other people do, which is one of the things we've heard about Justin Fields, is he's got a great analytical mind for what happens on the field. Or if it's just his natural speed, by the way, when he went on a scramble for about 21 yards in the third quarter, his clocking was faster than any Bears player that they had all last year. Where did he play uh, college ball at? A little place called Ohio State. Okay. So whether it was any of those or just him being supremely confident, I liked everything I saw and heard from Justin Fields over the weekend. Okay. Uh, was he uh, drafted by the Bears, or was he somewhere else and then they no, acquired he was, him? No, he was drafted. He's a rookie right now. Okay. First-round draft pick by the Bears this year, 11th pick overall in the draft, and he looked really, really good. Interestingly enough, there were a lot of rookies in that quarterback draft class this year, Corey, and they all played over the weekend. And Fields' numbers were comparable to anything put up by Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, Zach Wilson in New York, Trey Lance in San Francisco. His numbers were right up there with him. So I I think Bears fans have to feel really good about that. And that does give you hope for the franchise. Let's segue into college football, which is just around the corner. AP poll comes out today. At noon, I would think Notre Dame would be ranked similarly to what they were in the coaches' poll last week, where they were number seven. IU was 17th. Would think that'd probably be the case for the AP poll as well. 
The big news from college football over the weekend, the big news for Notre Dame, was that Brian Kelly apparently has listened to Sportsyak enough where he has decided to make his choice as the number one quarterback, Jack Cohn, the transfer out of Wisconsin. This surprised absolutely no one. He announced it after Saturday's practice and before Tommy Reese met with the media because he knew that Tommy Reese was going to get questions about this and he wanted to take the onus off of his offensive coordinator and just put the decision out there. There's nothing that Jack Cohn has done to dissuade anybody from making him number one. I heard the hue and cry from a few of the Irish, quote-unquote, faithful, who just have bought into all the hype about Tyler Buckner and say that he is the, the second coming and that he should be the next quarterback of the Irish. And I would say to them, pump the brakes, because most of you probably are looking at highlights from the blue-gold game and you're not looking at what happens in practice. You're not looking at everything that happened in the blue-gold game. And you don't understand that the role of quarterback in a Brian Kelly offense is as much game manager as anything else. Take care of the football. Don't make turnovers. Don't put your team into a bad spot. Jack Cohn, as a fifth-year senior, is going to do a better job of that than a freshman like Tyler Buckner. So those of you on the Tyler Buckner bandwagon, I understand what you see in the future. I understand the potential that you see in the young man. But keep your big yaps shut right now. Shut down your Twitter accounts. Shut down your Facebook accounts. And be quiet. (laughs) Did you edit that last part? Yes. It had a a tinge of edit to it. Uh, let's see here. Five days away from your first football broadcast. Let's go there. So Bob went to the scrimmage between Marion and Wawasee Friday night and reports back that the Marion Knights are as advertised. They're really, really good. And they should be a solid team again in Class 3A, make a good long run. Mishawa, yes, sir. My son, who's new to football, asked me about the Friday night scrimmage games. Uh, and I wanted to get your take on this. Are these two teams from Friday night that usually don't see each other in the regular season? Kind of a reach out to another team who they don't usually see but can run through different plays and whatnot? Right. That's okay. that's what your scrimmages hope to accomplish. Okay. You, you clearly don't want to play anybody that you're going to play in the regular season and give them film and a look at you or anything like that. But you want to be able to run through game situations Put your kids out there against somebody from another team that doesn't know the plays when you call them out and just run through your stuff and and kind of get a little bit of a feeling of what a Friday night is going to feel like. Is someone from Mishawaka in the stands this past Friday night at that Marion scrimmage, do you think? They might have been. Okay. I'm not sure it was necessary because I think... Mishawaka is probably pretty familiar with what Mike Davidson has run at Marion. They saw it last year when they played Marion. I don't think it's going to change up all that much this season. Okay. They might want to get a look at some personnel. Bryce Lesane at quarterback, he's likely going to be the Marion starter at that position and see what he brings to the table as opposed to Maddox Begonia Bright last year. If you're Marion, I'm not sure you'd waste your time going to the Mishawaka scrimmage. Mishawaka has run the same offense ever since Bart Curtis got there. 
Keith Kinder took over the program. This is his fourth season. He's running the same offense. Justin Fisher is the quarterback for Mishawaka. He's played for three years. You know what he does. There's no reason to really waste your time. And a lot of these schools right now are more worried about getting themselves ready than what the opponent is necessarily going to do. Okay. But we look forward to Friday night, night of big rivalries. We'll be previewing them throughout the week on 46 Sports, both on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, a lot what? of good games coming up on Friday night. So you got Where Marion. Where are you actually at? We will be at Marion. At Marion. For Mishawaka at Marion. Okay. Uh, but some other games of note, Concord takes on Elkhart. That'll be a big rivalry game. Fairfield and Goshen. Big rivalry game. Northwood and Jimtown play for the Doc Abel Trophy. That should be a good one. Northridge takes on South Bend Adams. That'll be interesting as well. So a lot of good matchups to keep an eye on this week for week one of high school football, which is always a little bit like Christmas Day. You're opening up, up the package and trying to figure out what's inside. I was at Wrigley Field last night, and in the air was a scent of dog doo-doo. I, th- I think it was from the team. Mm, man, well, they've been on the road, but it lingers. <laughs> it's on a sh- I think it's on a shoe. Someone's walking it through the, the hallways. It's on a shoe. 11 straight losses for the Chicago Cubs. Interestingly enough, over the weekend, David Kaplan, who is a longtime sports figure in Chicago, uh, in the media, just ripped the Cubs. And and if you know anything about Cap, he's a huge Cubs fan. So his heart has been broken by what this team that has done. And he called the Cubs an embarrassment to the city right now. One of the people who liked that tweet, Wilson Contreras. That's interesting that uh, Contreras, who is on the injured list right now, showing his dismay, I guess, at how the Cubs were broken up and what they've been turned into. And I don't think it surprises anybody that they're they're bad right now. Maybe it's surprising that they're this bad. But again, we've gone through the names on, on the air here. You don't recognize any of them because they're names that should be in Iowa. And yeah, some of them are playing well. Rafael Ortega is an on-base and hitting machine. Frank Schwindel has had some nice games. But the fact of the matter is, is this ball club stinks right now. Yeah, but let's go back to a couple of episodes. I mean, I drank your Kool-Aid. This had to happen. Right. I mean, you you still weren't going to win a division or uh, come close to a World Series with the core group you had. So, yes, you have to tear it down. Got to start over. And, and you're going through the pain of that right now this year and honestly at this point from a a global perspective from the big picture perspective it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you finish fourth fifth or anywhere else in the nl central you're not going to finish first and that's what matters so yes i get that and i understand what the cubs are doing on the other hand you'd like to win maybe at least a couple times a week. That would be nice to help sell tickets and put fannies in the seats because one wonders what the crowds at Wrigley are going to look like for the rest of the year. They won't look like what they did on the south side this weekend, 
where guaranteed rate field was pretty well full up for the White Sox and Yankees. Now, the Yankees wound up winning two out of three in that series. They won the game on Saturday night in extra innings, and then Sunday, Ned Odor hit a two-run homer, and the Yankees beat the White Sox by a count of 5-3. to three. The Sox have been swinging good bats as of late, but the Yankee pitching kept it under wraps for most of the weekend, and that has to be a concern. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the Yak, Corey. The fact of the matter is the White Sox have played very few games against really good teams this year, teams that are 500 or better, and when they've played those games, they've struggled, and they struggled against the Yankees this weekend. They won two out of three. They very well could have been swept in this series. Talked to my daughter over the weekend. Her and her husband are considering jumping on the White Sox bandwagon. And uh, I had a laugh with her. And I said, you know, the last time I was in that field was July 4th, 1995. Wow. Do you know why I remember that? Earlier that day, I was at a Chicago record store buying a new album from a band called Foo Fighters. Oh, wow. So we had the Foo Fighters in the car and the White Sox at... Uh, what would, the, what would it have it been was, back in 95? What oh, would it have been called? U.S. Uh, Cellular? I think so, yeah. Uh, I still love Wrigley. but Well, yeah. There's, uh, there's a huge difference in the ballparks. Yes. <laughs> Even 20 or 30 years ago. So the Tigers, uh, they lost yesterday 11 to nothing. But, boy, did you see the crowd that they had I in Detroit on Saturday? Mm-mm. They had 34,000 there. That may not sound like a lot, but that's the biggest crowd they've had for a Tigers game in the last two or three years. Because? Because they're actually playing better. They're winning. And they're starting to win some games, and there's some players that the team can get behind. And people want to see if Miguel Cabrera hits his 500th career homer because they want to celebrate him. And his career. It didn't happen yesterday. Tristan McKenzie of Cleveland took a perfect game into the eighth before losing it with two outs in the eighth. But Cleveland beat the Tigers by a count of 11 to nothing. And the South Bend Cubs split their series with Fort Wayne over the weekend or over last week. Uh, they lost yesterday 6-1. But the South Bend Cubs come back, I believe, it's their final homestand of the year coming up this week. So oh, wow. if you haven't been to a South Bend Cubs game... This is the week to get out and see them. Chuck, let's head back down to Indianapolis. Uh, Brickyard 400, not a race in Indianapolis this year. They tried something a little different yesterday. Yeah, they instead of using the Oval and the Brickyard 400, they set up a road course uh, within the infield and everything and ran the Brickyard 200. Same NASCAR drivers. Boy, this was weird to watch and some of the drivers had problems with uh, a chicane that's one of those really um tough turns to make almost like a hairpin turn that they had set up in one of the areas they also had put some sort of obstacle out there for drivers to have to drive around on purpose on purpose Mm. well the problem was that Enough drivers had made contact with said obstacle over the three days that it was out there, the time trials and the and the different races, that all of a sudden the obstacle started kind of decaying a little bit. 
And so even the own, new owner of the Speedway had to get out there with, like, the president of the Speedway had to get out there. He's in his suit and tie, and he's out there with a shovel trying to get this thing back into position. They finally just removed it for the last few laps of the race. Two red flags stopping the race. 16 wrecked cars. Wow. A.J. Allmendinger of Colleg Racing gets the checkered flag. Winamax Justin Haley, who also races for that group, finished eighth. And South Bend's Ryan Newman had a top ten finish. So it was a good day for the local drivers, only because they were among those who survived the attrition. But I would be curious from anybody who went to the race or those who watched it on TV what their thoughts were, because to me it just... NASCAR on a road course is never the same as watching them on an oval. And I get you can do different things with these cars and maybe giving them a road course challenge like they get traditionally at places like Watkins Glen or Sonoma is uh, is exciting for people to watch. It, I didn't find it that exciting. I would rather see the traditional yeah. oval racing, especially... At a place like Indianapolis. So historic. Yeah. Yeah. Why Why are you altering course? So Trying new things, but sometimes new things don't work. Right. And I get where you want to try new things and try to keep it fresh because I think the freshness of NASCAR at Indianapolis, when they first started coming, it was a big event. Mm-hmm. Over time, it has withered. Now, is that because of the Speedway itself, or is that because NASCAR's popularity has somewhat? I think it has more to do with the latter than the former. Okay. So if I'm the Speedway, I'm not kowtowing to NASCAR saying, oh, yeah, let's change it up to help freshen up the look for you. I'd say we're the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You see this two-and-a-half-mile oval. You see this yard of bricks. That's what makes us what we are. I would have the same message for them as I would have the for the Tyler Buckner people. <laughs> You're making a list, aren't you? Uncle Chuck's a bit salty today. Uh, three players from the Clippers for one player in Memphis. Talk about this in the NBA. Well, Eric Bledsoe's a pretty good player. I mean, he he was one of the name players of this Memphis franchise, and now you put him with Kawhi Leonard over in Los Angeles. You've got something. Patrick Beverly, terrific defensive player, has never been known for his offense. Rajon Rondo, his time is about done. I'll be surprised if Rajon Rondo doesn't just retire because this guy's older than dirt. I don't know that much about Daniel Oturu, but this is a salary cap move for the Clippers. They're trying to save some money. They've got a lot of money wrapped up in Patrick Beverly and Rajon Rondo. And that they're trying to make a salary cut here, so they go and get, they get Eric Bledsoe, who can help them and save some money at the same time. I watched the uh, Malice in the Palace documentary on Netflix over the weekend. What'd you think? Super uncomfortable. I'd kind of forgotten about it, but man, what a what a mess! And uh, if you decide to watch it, tread lightly. Heavy duty language. Sure. Uh, a lot of he said, he said, <laughs> uh, but. But the NBA has made a great recovery from that. I would say so. You know, yeah. and, and they've really curbed that style of play. 
it's not nearly as physical in NBA games as it used to be. Now, that's not to say there's not bumping and chugging down in the post and, and that it doesn't get nasty at times. But really, that ended the era of big fighting in the NBA, which was never meant to be a part of the game anyway. But it wound up being kind of an acceptable part of the game in the 90s and, well, late 80s through the 90s and the early part of the 2000s. Hearing the three particular uh, players from the Pacers kind of finally say their side of the story, it was it was interesting. It was uh, Artest, O'Neal, and Jackson. Well, actually, Reggie Miller was in there, who mm-hmm. was injured at the time, had a suit on, talking about a police officer grabbing him by the arm, about to mace him in the face, and it's like, do you not know who I am? And apparently not. It was it's it's a it's a rough watch. So you had a non sports experience over the weekend in that you uh you were Mr. Concert. Now we had our radio station concert mm-hmm. with Building four twenty nine and Newsboys. And I want you to start with that one because Newsboys does something different with their with their live concert that I honestly have to say I'm not sure I've seen any other band do. Okay. Uh, there are. Um, okay. uh, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue has some tricks up his sleeve, kind of like that, but still doing it today, no. Uh, Duncan's the drummer for Newsboys, and the drum riser rises up about another three feet. Then it starts spinning, but it goes vertically, I guess you would say. It, it, it stands it on... It tilts. So everything is locked down. He's in like an Air Force uh, seat with a seatbelt, and the song continues on, and people go bananas, and uh, it's quite a sight. But It's was- like a bad fair ride. <laughs> flying everywhere, which it has before, I've heard through the grapevine. But from the feedback I've gotten online and people at the actual show, that was their favorite of the three we did this summer. Really? Yes. That was their favorite. Uh, And then Sunday night, my wife and I went to Wrigley Field. September 20th, 2019, I bought tickets to Green Day, Weezer, and Fallout Boy uh, for a Christmas present for her. She's got two artists on her bucket list. That was one of them. The other one is way too expensive for my wallet, named oh. Madonna. Oh, okay. So we were supposed to see them a year ago, uh, Thursday, August 13th, 2020. Obviously, you know what happens last year, so here we go last night. Uh, Heavy-duty foot traffic uh, when, when you walk into the park. Uh well, because it's more than just food. the stands, right? They have fans on the field, too. Yes. No, nothing in the bleachers, but on the field, and then the entire bowl. Uh, it was. They said it was a sold-out show From last night. From foul pole to foul pole. Yeah. Uh, but it was fun. It was, a, I mean, a perfect night. 70s, beautiful, uh, not a cloud in the sky. Love me some Weezer. Took a break on Fallout Boy. Loved us some Green Day. Left with about... Four songs left to just beat the foot traffic and mm. and uh, on which Mon- park? I have found a Catholic school on Sheridan yes. that uh, is either nine dollars sometimes on game day or twenty dollars for a concert. You got to hoof it a little bit, but I'm sure. okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. So we parked there. So 
This is a perfect segue into overrated, underrated Green Day. Uh, as I told you first thing this morning, as far as a front man of a rock band at a stadium show, he is underrated. And that was the first time I've seen them uh, in person. I've seen them on uh, YouTube and video and all that many times. But seeing them live, that dude can command an audience. And of the 24 songs, I knew 22 of them. Wow. I just, I've known the catalog. I mean, back in the... U93 days, we played those sure. songs in 95 yeah, well, and 96 absolutely. and 97. And uh, they stuck with the catalog of songs that they know their fans want to hear. So, Which is smart for a group like them. Young and old alike, plenty of people our age, plenty of young, young kids with big headphones on their parents' shoulders. Uh, but I would say a live spectacle, they are underrated. When's the last time they had a... Hit album. That's a great question. Um, or a hit CD. Yeah, as or, far as or something. Yeah, as far as like a like even a rock single. which yeah. you know the the big running joke throughout the whole night was like people still listen to rock music. Look look at everyone here. Mm-hmm. Um. Wow. Uh. Twenty twenty uh, was their last album. And then Billy Joe did some uh, songs during the pandemic. So they're still churning stuff out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had a new song called Pollyanna last night that was just recorded to have something fresh for the stadium tour. It was a fun song. But, I mean, that dude had the crowd in his hand just playing to Chicago. Chicago all night long. It was great. Well, I would say underrated as well, even though I have not seen them play live and in person. I'm impressed with the catalog. And you hear one of their songs on the radio, and it's just, there's a connection there. Whether It's not necessarily a lyrical connection, because I don't agree with everything they say sometimes, but they know how to work a beat and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that song, Holiday. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, you get out of the spoken word part and into the instrumentals and everything. Mm-hmm. That's some good stuff. And the reason why they did 24 songs last night, Chuck, they're all two minutes long. Those sure. quick little pop, yeah. pop songs, they just rifle through those. They would have been perfect in the late 60s and early 70s <laughs> on radio. They had the length of song like you like your length of movies. Yeah. <laughs> under two hours, under two minutes. Maybe that's why I like them. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like them. Yeah. Uh, I might as well go with something else here as we pull back the curtain. Okay. And I I know how you feel about this, so I'm setting you up. Overrated, underrated, the McDonald's hash brown. (laughs) The hash brown is underrated, along with the number two meal, the sausage McMuffin with egg and cheese. Oh, if I could eat that every day, I would eat that every day. That hash brown is really, really good. When it's made to perfection, uh, unicorns vomit rainbows. It's so what? good. Yes. Come on now. In a good way, like Skittles. Okay. It's so good. I love it. Underrated. Underrated. Very good. So you would not say to anybody tweeting out about the McDonald's number two breakfast meal, hey, get off your Twitter feed, get off your Facebook feed, and shut up. Yeah, take off your face. I would not add that okay. to the list of the Tyler Buckner slash, what was the other one people T- are? Tyler Buckner and... Um, 
Indy 500 or or Brickyard 200 <laughs> boring race. Yeah. Leave the McDonald's number two breakfast meal off that list. Okay. Underrated. You're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. And and hats off to you. A ton of video content, uh, hearing from local players and coaches. If you're not following Chuck for that and you're a fan of local athletics, a uh, great place to hang out, especially this week. I'm on Twitter as well. At My name is Corey. By the way, if you're not following me on that stuff and you listen to this show, you don't deserve a Twitter account either. You don't deserve a Facebook account. You don't deserve to be on social media. And you should look at your life. You should look at yourself in the mirror and say, I need to change. Did you buy yourself a big pint of uh, uh, Morton's over the weekend? (laughs) (laughs) Just a a little girl with the umbrella. Is that the salt uh, company? The the season is here. (laughs) Salty Chuck is the best Chuck. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga Butch Van Bredekoff, why don't you buy a vowel? Bill Bradley. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.